by putting sexualized material in front of boys, in front of young men, how do you not know you've suddenly piqued their interest? And what? You've, especially with the links that are in some of this material, it sends them where? To X-rated films, X-rated uh, websites. Out schools, yep. Okay, so now, yep. how do you not know you have a Ted Bundy? Would Ted Bundy have become Ted Bundy? According to Ted Bundy, ah, oh, you can't believe Ted Bundy. Oh, but we can believe guys wearing women's underwear in drag? Really? Ted Bundy had nothing to gain. He was going to the electric chair. He gave one interview. That was James Dobson. He only gave one. Why did he give it to Dobson? He, through his attorney, Bundy did, contacted Dobson because Dobson was saying pornography is addictive. Bundy said this, pornography is addictive. He took responsibility, but he said if it weren't for pornography, he probably wouldn't be sitting in the electric chair by that time, just a few days after the interview. If you start to create sexual predators, how do you know? Can you tell that in the eyes of a young man that's sitting in the desk? No, you can't. You, Mr. Administrator, Mr. and Mrs. Board Member, Mr. and Mrs. Administrator, what I tell you, what my contention is this, you will see an increase in sexual assaults on your campuses. And are you going to report those? Are you going to report those properly? Because there will, there will be an increase in sexual assault. And don't you dare reframe and tell your girls that they need to be more understanding because these boys are just, they're confused and they're just touching other girls' breasts in the hallways. Don't you dare dumb down the definition of what sexual assault is. Right. You will have, by creating a sexually charged milieu in your learning environment, you will guarantee an increase in sexual assaults among your student body of minors, and you will be held accountable for it. We are so pleased to have John Euler with us again tonight to continue with part two of last week's discussion. Tonight's topic is analyzing sexual predatory behavior and systemic grooming in the education system. John is a therapist, a certified clinical trauma professional, and a certified sex offender treatment provider. His extensive clinical practice makes him exceptionally qualified in his field, and we're so grateful that he's able to join us once again to expand on last week's theme. The interview we're going to watch was pre-recorded and runs a little over two hours, which sounds like a lot, but it contains critical information to counter what we're facing as a society, and it's imperative that we understand the evil people and agenda we're dealing with. The information in John's presentation is of such a high caliber, you won't want to miss a moment of it. So I invite you to make yourselves comfortable as we join the conversation between Tanya and John Euler. 
Well, thank you, Heather, for that fine introduction of John. John, welcome back to the show. Uh, Last week, we ran out of time and we covered so much. Uh, We have had tremendous amount of feedback. I've had counselors and um, other individuals who said that they were actually watching the program several times to try to absorb all of the information. I think based on what society is facing right now with this, I'm going to say it's it's basically a, a global attack, you know, against the natural family, but specifically against our children. And the sexual deviants, as you say, these white-collar uh, sexual psychopaths are the ones that we need to learn to understand. And you were able to walk us through that last week in a way that um, it made me think differently about the people that even I and my position with Action for Canada as we're creating the notices of liability and asking people to go into the school boards, dealing with ministers of education and government officials thinking, how can they do this? How can they go along with, you know, the sexualization and sexual exploitation of our children and the mutilating of our children and giving them drugs? I have been just at such a loss, but after uh, listening to you last week, it helped thing, put things in a different perspective. So I'm looking forward to your presentation and to, uh, you know, how you're going to further educate us on this. I found it extremely helpful, and we've had a, a very, very positive feedback uh, from the public. So thank you. And you know what? On that, I'm just going to hand the floor over to you. Well, Tanya, thank you. It's a pleasure to be back with you. And I know where we left off last time, and again, happy to jump back into this. And uh, Mm -hmm. it is affirming and (laughs) affirming, uh, thinking about the the trans deception, as I call it. But it is heartening to know that people are finding this helpful, because I think it really demystifies uh, this, uh, this entire topic, the subject of psychopathy and sexual psychopaths and uh, how people end up preying upon those that are vulnerable. So we'll just pick up where we left off last time. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, we're going to go through a series of slides that I utilize in both my uh, Friday night program. You can find that on TECN.TV, Friday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Journey to Healing. And I created a number of um, screenshots, as it were, to help people understand this process. So we'll kind of do an overview very quickly of how someone becomes psychopathic. Now, as far as the literature, as far as Uh, the science, as far as those that are in the field that speak to the issue of psychopathy. I want people to understand that there is science behind it. They've been able to scan the brains of psychopaths. And so there's no question that a psychopath's brain now works differently. That's different than the gray and white matter. This is how it processes things. This is how it um, sees things, as it were. So you can you can put it under a scan. You can see colors as far as where activity is and where activity is in a normal person's brain that has a conscience, has empathy, has remorse, a lot of activity, uh, activity in the frontal lobe, in the occipital. uh, I'm sorry, in the orbital area. That's where uh, somewhere in there is conscience. Um, 
So someone who has a conscience doesn't have to think about how they will respond, especially when it has to do with impacting someone else. And that's what our conscience is there for. Our conscience is designed to keep us on our side of somebody else's boundaries. But boundaries separate things of importance. So to the extent that I care about you as much as I care about me, I will keep myself in check. And therefore, my conscience will be active. It'll be effective. It'll be that still small voice for those of us that are Christians. I believe the Lord uses our conscience to get our attention. And so you, you, if you ask a normal person if they want to violate their conscience, a normal, healthy person will say, no, I don't want to have a hardened heart. I don't want to have a you know, hardened conscience because they value their conscience. They know what it's there for. But if you started to violate your conscience, eventually, strangely enough, you would go through uh, several different stages, I think about eight to 10 stages, and eventually you would get to a point where actually probably about 10 stages, uh, you'd get to a point where you actually were not just okay without having a conscience or not having a conscience, but you would actually enjoy it. You'd actually be very free and you would start to have disdain for those that do have a conscience. And eventually you would experience two things if you were a psychopath. And there's two kinds, the kind that we most typically think of that's called a bloody psychopath. These two terms come from Dr. Robert Hare out of the University of British Columbia, the author of the PCLR, the Hare Psychopathy Checklist. I'm certified in that forensically. He coined the phrase, he coined two phrases, uh, bloody psychopath and a white collar psychopath. Bloody psychopath, that's self-evident. That's what most of us think of. That's what I thought of before working in the prison system. But Dr. Robert Hare referenced a white collar psychopath. He's also written a very good book called Snakes in Suits. So snakes in suits, a snake, a snaky kind of person in a three-piece suit. Where do we find that person? We find them in politics. We find them in finance. We find them in the ministry. Second Peter chapter two describes that. Three uh, two thousand years old. Peter was talking about exactly the description of someone that has no conscience, and he is working people, and he's helping himself to the cash and the women. But you notice it doesn't say small children. When somebody eventually gets to a point where they have descended through the various stages of eventually what's called deviance, and they begin to hunger after having a negative effect or negative impact, and that's what deviance is. That's what psychopathy is all about. Sociopathy is about sales. Psychopathy is about having an effect. So by the time a person... Now, I'll focus on men right now. Although you can have psychopathic women, if you've ever seen the movie Tangled, that animated film with Rapunzel, Mother Gothel was a white-collar psychopath. How about Cinderella? How about the wicked stepmother? She was a white-collar psychopath. Uh, so uh, you can have either gender, right, either sex. How about Ghislaine Maxwell and um, Epstein? Both are psychopaths. You will tend to see male and female psychopaths operating in different ways. So there's pretty characteristic uh, modes of operating. Women, uh, female psychopaths will tend to be 
uh, very calculate. Both are calculating, but they're not going to get into. This sounds interesting, but ready? They're not going to get into. They're not going to be the ones to sexually harm someone to inflict harm. They're going to be getting the cash. They're going to be getting power out of the deal. They do love watching somebody in duress, but rare is a time that you will have a female actively inflicting sexual trauma upon someone as far as, let's say, using objects. You don't have that among the uh, female populations of sex offenders, let's say. There's very few female sex offenders. Uh, For instance, in the state of Pennsylvania, I just spoke to this on social media because somebody was trying to uh, equate male and female sex offenders, and there's there's no equating them. Give an example. In the state of Pennsylvania, in the United States, you have 23 prisons. Guess how many are female? Two. Okay, so right there, you know, they need 21 prisons for men and just two for women. Of the overall percentage, and this is where I will actually now bring up one of my slides, There are far more men that are sex offenders than women, number one. And the majority of women who offend, maybe I'll prepare my little slide here behind the scenes, um, if I can find it. I think that's it. Yes. So now I'll, I'm going to share my screen. Rare is the time that you have a woman that's arrested for a sex offense. And generally speaking, you will have those women who either facilitated Kids uh, being um, a predator gaining access. So those are the ones, and I'm not I'm not justifying or minimizing any of the uh, effect, but it's the mother that was into drugs that allowed the perpetrator to gain access. It is the woman who allowed for the filming of the child. I I don't even know of a single situation. Of course, they're out there, but it is so rare to hear that a woman used an object in offending a child. Uh, You have women that are involved in trafficking other women, so female pimps. You hear about massage parlors, and oftentimes women are involved in that. It's still surreal to me, but you're you're not going to have typically um, the female who's the active party, especially when it comes to young children. Oftentimes, what you'll also read about in the newspaper, and again, anytime there's sex offending, it hits the newspaper, you'll tend to hear that there was a female teacher, either high school or junior high, and she was grooming and then exploiting young kids, either having an apart, having a party, filming things, or uh, was having sex with these kids, you know, young boys. But typically, you're not going to have a woman um, I'm not, again, I'm not minimize. I, I do sex offender treatment. Right? I'm not minimizing any of this. But the reality is rare is the time that a woman herself actually offends uh, a child younger than puberty. For men, see it all the time. We call them pedophiles. Okay. This is a chart I put together. These are the facts based upon in the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. I'm going to assume that it's probably the same in every state, every province. So what you have, you have the bell-shaped curve here. In the U.S., about 1% of the population is in prison. So you notice over three deviations outside the norm, we've got the bell-shaped curve. From there over to the right, you have the prison population. And so I tried to show kind of populations within populations within populations. So 
within uh, not everybody that goes to prison has anti-personality disorder. Okay, so that's it may sound strange, but they're right. So you have some people that are able to be rehabilitated. I'll give you one example. That would be, uh, let's say, somebody that's in for DUIs, driving while under the influence. That person can be rehabilitated if they take things seriously, drugs and alcohol. Okay, there's drug and alcohol units that go through programs. Okay, so there are uh, offenses that somebody, you know, if they get in a car accident, they were driving while under the influence, and now you have vehicular manslaughter. The person is in there. There is the ability to be rehabilitated, but he may be in for 5 to 10 to 25 years or longer, depending upon what he did. Okay, so within... The prison population, though, you have a significant number, though, that are antisocial. Now, uh, what is antisocial? It sounds a little different than what it really is. Oftentimes, we will use the word antisocial to mean technically within the field of psychology, we call it asocial. So if somebody is shy, they're not called antisocial, though we say that a lot. They would be asocial. So somebody that doesn't socialize. Antisocial is someone that goes against the norms or mores of society. Now, you can tell, depending upon the society, you can have fewer or, you know, that can fluctuate. But antisocial personality disorder uh, is part of what's called the cluster B of personality disorders. That has to do with those that are going to be very dramatic, very self-centered, and those that will cross boundaries. So antisocial personality disorder is someone who... The easiest way to view it is this. They give themselves permission to uh, craft the rules themselves, and they are not going to be hemmed in by society's norms. It tends to be antisocial personality disorder tends to be impulsive by degree. Uh, They will have a history, a paper trail of bumping up against and crossing societal norms and rules. So they will typically have... A, a number of arrests. Um, and these are the ones that tend to stand out. Where's the time that you have antisocial personality disorder that uh, doesn't stand out? And there's a misnomer that says psychopaths have antisocial personality disorder. That is not true. Not all of them. Okay, as a matter of fact, I would say the ones that we're concerned about for this program, the ones that I'm concerned about, these sophisticated sexual um, psychopaths, sexual predators, they are not antisocial. Let me qualify that again. Are they normal? No. Do they uh, do they appreciate society's norms? And no. But they fit in well. Why? Because they're calculating. You don't run f- uh, for political office if you are antisocial. Why? Because you have a criminal history. Okay, you appear smooth. You appear, con- uh, you know, congenial and affable and uh, you know, likable. And antisocial personality is not likable. Okay, they, you can when you meet somebody that has antisocial personality, you really know up 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 close and personal very quickly. Okay. Um, and again, they're not impulsive. They're uh, the sophisticated psychopaths are very methodical within that overall um, rubric of antisocial personality disorder. You then will have, in my estimation, sociopaths and psychopaths. And then we're going to get into what's called the sexually violent predators, SVP. And then within sexually violent predators, which 
That is a designation, by the way, given by a judge, at least here in the U.S. Okay, there is no law that says if you break certain laws, you get SVP designation. You don't. That is added to a judge. So in a way, there's not consistency as far as who gets SVP and who doesn't. Trust me, there's a lot of people that should be given SVPs that have not. I'll give you one example. Jimmy Hinton, uh, Pastor Jimmy Hinton's father, Jimmy Hinton and I started churchprotect.org. We started because we found there was commonality in our concern for protecting kids in churches. His father was a pastor for about 25 years or so, was perping on his own kids. They homeschooled, was perping on his own daughters, kids in the congregation, and kids in the community for years and years. So there's a, a guy that is truly a sexually violent predator, yet the judge was going to give him that label, but uh, the inmate, senior uh, Mr. Hinton, Hinton, who's now going to essentially serve life in the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections, given his age, I think he got 25 to 50 years, he should have gotten life. Uh, he appealed to the judge to not give him that designation, and the judge agreed. It's like, whatever, you know, it's surreal. But Hinton knew that if he goes to prison and he's called an SVP, he's an easier target. So he was able to finesse the judge. So, so again, as we talked about last time, a sophisticated uh, psychopath knows how to manage impression and work the crowd. So a child predator is among those that are SVPs, and you can have a sexual violent predator designation placed upon you if you harm women. So let's say you are raping a bunch of women. You're a serial rapist. You will be called a sexual violent predator. If you go after children, uh, it's much easier typically to uh, have that designation placed upon you. But look at how few there are. All things being equal, you're almost in five deviations outside the norm. But I want to tell people that for my purposes in trying to awaken people to the dangers of predators in churches and those that are the most sophisticated, we're talking about the men in that far right box. How many of those does it take to endanger a church full of people and especially kids. Only takes one. Why? Because do you know how many victims they will have? The average pedophile has hundreds of victims by the time they're busted. Why? Because, and what's it take to create a victim? A single incident. Okay, this man, uh, Senior uh, Hinton, uh, was actually abusing kids when he would baptize them. He would put his finger inside the girls' vaginas while he was baptizing them. Let that sink in. This is how vile we're talking about. Okay, So the concerns I have are for those men, because SVP child predators, do you know they're not doing life? Well, there will be some that will be in for life. But it is possible, depending upon how you were assessed, and what kind of uh, sentence was handed down, you could be out in 10 years. And I'll tell you where those men are typically going to go. They're going to go to church. Why? Because most churches will open their arms to these men. Now, if the man had stolen money from the 
uh, from the, uh, the bank account. Oh, he'd never be welcomed back. But somehow we're going to view these men as like David and Bathsheba. Folks, these are not David and Bathsheba. As a matter of fact, I will make the case that Judas was a psychopath. You have to be pretty bad for Satan to possess you. But I don't believe Judas would have offended a child. I would have been okay having Ju- Judas babysit my kids. That may sound strange, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't worry about him perping on my kids. Now, stealing from my bank account, yes, <laughs> but I don't think he would have perped on kids. Okay, so again, the, the little tiny boxes over on the right is uh, the, the folks that we're focusing on now. How do you spot them in a crowd? You don't, because the further someone goes outside in, uh, outside the norm, they either look really whacked out or they look really normal. I'm going to now show you how this plays out in a way. Here's a graphic from my program from Journey to Healing. I will then show you the rest of the charts as far as what I found as I was dealing with these men in prison. But here's the best way to understand psychopaths and psychopathy. <laughs> As you go down, and I'm, I guess this is the other one, um, I have another chart that actually lists, and I'll tell you where those are, as far as narcissism, sociopathy, and psychopathy. Okay, We have our, little, our two little people up here, and this will pertain to what we're dealing with now in uh, psychopath, sexual psychopaths and the dangers of the trans movement, by the way. Our little guy on the right, you see these two people as they are traversing, they're either going up or going down on their journey of life. The person on the right doesn't have any knapsacks. The knapsacks represent the person's responsibility to do what is right, just, and fair. That comes out of Proverbs chapter 1 and chapter 2. So Paul told people, each man should carry their own load, but we bear one another's burdens. The Greek word for burden is boulder. But we are to each own our own our own load. That's a knapsack. So our knapsacks constitute our responsibility to treat each other properly. But to the extent that I begin to care more about myself than someone else, I will start to objectify someone else. So instead of loving people and using things. The more I get into selfishness, the more I start to descend into the minus numbers. My ego grows and your value decreases in my eyes. And so I will begin to use you. And I will do that by taking my responsibility to do what is right, just and fair and begin to place it on you. So a dysfunctional relationship, by the way, is a one-up, one-down relationship. Person on the right doesn't have any knapsacks. Now, the further somebody goes downhill, they will inevitably start to use other people for all they're worth. So they will begin to gather to themselves. They will begin to manipulate people on the way down as far as revealing who they are in a masterful way, who they, meaning the person on the right. So the person on the right, in this current relationship, we call it a toxic relationship. It's all one way. We have the person on the right being the dump or person on the left being the dumpy. Now, what does this have to do with psychopathy? 
question is this. We know this person on the right is at a minus four at this point. That's their character. They're entering the pig zone. The question is, if I were to ask you, well, we know he's at a minus four. What number could he possibly actually be? Instead of morphing, maybe he currently is. Could he possibly be a minus 10? And he portrayed himself originally, once upon a time, as a positive 10, positive 9, way up there. And then little by little, what did he do? He started conning people around him. And little by little, he started to cross boundaries. And he started to work people to where, little by little, they don't see what's happening. They don't see how he's grooming them. He's crossing boundaries. We could do this with time, effort, energy, and resources, and also sexually. This man right now, he's gone through, he's taken the person on the left from a reasonable, from a healthy relationship to a reasonable relationship to an unreasonable relationship to an unhealthy and to a toxic relationship. Do you think the person on the right is going to stop there? Probably not. He's going to continue down. If he continues down, he will go through a twisting process. So you see what's called the twisting zone. And he will end up with what the Bible calls a reprobate mind in Romans chapter 1. 2,000 years ago, that is a mental urgy term, meaning it's no longer good for its intended purpose. The person who chooses, the person on the right, chooses to allow selfishness to grow, they will violate their conscience. Therefore, they will not be sorry any longer. That's a lack of remorse and therefore a lack of empathy. They don't care what happens to someone. By the time somebody becomes that selfish, they're going to now layer on top of their selfish selfishness things that um, appeal to them. You can have a financial psychopath. So this is Second Peter chapter two. You can have a sexual psychopath. Oftentimes, those two things are layered because money, sex, and power—they all tend to go together. As a man descends downward. What starts to happen to him? Well, he starts to go through various changes and various stages. If anybody's familiar with the verse that it says that the the wolf, as it were, comes to do what? The thief comes to do what? To steal and destroy. Look at the far right uh, categories there. So the best way to understand sexual perpetration is to understand someone going downhill. As someone gets into selfishness, it grows. They first will become a narcissist. What is that? You are the center of the universe, and you have a great self-esteem. Whacked out self-esteem, but there's nothing wrong with your self-esteem, right? It's all about you. The more that develops, people are either going to catch on real fast, so you're going to be an unsophisticated narcissist, not a lot of people want to be around you, right? Because they have to give you accolades. They have to feed your ego, or you're going to be a smart narcissist where people won't catch on. Well, how do they not catch on? You perfect the art of sales. Now you're a sociopath and you'll operate on cost benefit analysis. When the cost outweighs the benefits, you will move on. If you continue down though, now you've already established a Good self-esteem, not a healthy self-esteem, but a good, ain't nothing wrong with your self-esteem. You feel entitled. 
and you're developing the art of the sale or sales, right? How to win friends, influence people. I'm not saying Dale Carnegie was a sociopath. Okay. But how many sociopaths go into sales? right? If you step onto a car lot, people have objectified you financially already, and they're going to take whatever you say as far as, well, here's our budget. They're going to blow right past your budget and upsell you. Why? For your benefit? No, but they're going to make sure, ideally, that you have a great customer experience and paying more for what you never intended to. That's a sociopath. Even though they know you may end up having that car repossessed because you can't make your payments. They got you into more car than you could afford. Okay, so he's not looking out for your best interest. That's a sociopath. But if that person continues into or allowing ego to grow, they will eventually morph into someone that isn't just about sales, but a fact. Now, what drives them and motivates them and what they hunger and thirst after isn't the goods, aren't the goodies but the impact they can have over you. Now you're under their thumb, that's power and control, but then it's going to go one step further. It's going to be, I'm going to leave a last, I'm going to scar and mar your soul. I'm going to leave a lasting impact. And then if you dare try to stop me, I'm sorry, if you try to put boundaries up, if you try to place my responsibility back on me, now you will pay. And that's exactly what Satan is like. How dare God think he is God, so Satan's going after God. Okay, that's why you harmonize, by that time you harmonize with evil. Okay, so in the sexual realm, as the person continues downward, they're going to go through different stages of motivation. So up on the, over on the far left, that's not as bad as the far right. So on the left, the initial goal is to blemish the victim's sense of normalcy. Now, this is deviance, by the way. So I'm already starting, I'm already into having a negative effect. So I want to blemish them. I want to make it so that they are, um, they don't feel pure anymore. They don't feel eligible for good things. So I'm corrupting and I'm perverting and I'm warping them. Try Fifty Shades of Grey. That's exactly what this is. Right? You're going to corrupt, you're going to pervert. Look at Soji Sex Edge, sexual orientation and gender identity material that's being pumped into schools. This is exactly what this is. Let's go through these stages, as a matter of fact. We're going to corrupt and then pervert and then warp. Then it's going to be demeaning, meaning somehow somebody is going to be viewed as less than for still wanting to have some sort of propriety or boundaries. Then they're going to be shamed. Then they're going to be what? They're going to be violated. We've transitioned from to blemish to what? What's the goal up there? To tarnish the victim's sense of being wholesome. Now we're going to get into shaming and violating and degrading. You notice what the person who's perping, who's starting to do this, they're up top. They're transitioning across the top from left to right. And this is what they're doing, the stair-step fashion downward. This is what they're doing to the victim. When they move into spoiling, so the goal will be to spoil. Spoil what? The victim's sense of being desirable. Now we're going to tarnish. 
So that's why we've got degrade, humiliate, staining, and soiling. You look at the kind of pornography now that is um, out there. As a matter of fact, Alex Aaron, uh, we just recently had her on the program on unmaskingthetransmovement.com. She talked about Latina abuse is a category of pornography. It's all about defiling women. These are Hispanic women. They, you know, some people say that's misogyny. It's not. Yes, of course, it's evil. Okay. And so you keep going. There we go. Defiling, defacing. Now, what are we doing? We're stealing the victim's sense of hope by taking away her innocence, her security, and her peace. And eventually we're going into marring. And now you can see I added to to damage. Okay. So they want to mar and they want to damage. And now we're going to shift into genuine psychopathy, which is traumatizing and terrorizing. That destroys the victim's future by forever altering her concept of God. The idea of offending. The Greek word for offending, right? If anybody offends a child, no, that does not have anything to do with theology of young Christians. This has to do with sexual offending. Jesus said, if anybody even thinks, you know, you'd better, if you're going to end up offending a child, here's what you'd better do. Something about a millstone and a very deep body of water. The term for millstone was scandalon. We have the, we get the English word scandalize. It says you will scandalize a child for the rest of his or her life, and that child will grow into an adult that will continue to stumble. And if you hang a millstone around somebody's neck, a victim, they will continue to trip over what happened because they'll wonder if there's a loving God, then why didn't he protect them, um, him or her? Okay, so uh, the Lord is saying to the would-be perpetrator, if you're going to hang something around somebody's neck, you better go hang it around yourself, your own neck. So it destroys the concept of God, the concept of self, others, and life. They will have a sense of foreboding. They will have a sense of that they are no longer eligible for good things. Uh, they will see the glass, glass that's half empty rather than half full. Uh, they'll have a difficult time having trust, faith, and hope, and the ability to love and be loved. Uh, on my site, SurvivorSupport.net, I cover all of that. Uh, this, The impact of this is very profound. Let me show you from a biblical perspective. Now, those of you that don't come from a biblical perspective, hopefully this will be informative anyways. We're going to go 3,000 years ago as it's coming up now. Um, we're going to go 3,000 years ago to the book of Proverbs and Psalms. The vast majority of these terms, what did I, wait, I'm sorry, I may have gotten, you know what, let me switch that one. No wonder it was having a hard time. That's a video. There we go. There we go. Okay, the vast majority of these terms are lifted right out of Scripture. The best way to understand these different terms in the book of Psalms and Proverbs are to understand them as categories. Oh, sorry, let me get rid of that one. Okay, so the best way to understand us is we're made in God's image in what way? In all sorts of ways, but also emotionally. We have a full range of emotions ranging from happy to sad to angry because God has a full range of emotions. Uh, the question is, did God have the capacity? Did he have anger? 
though, didn't express it. Did he have did he have the capacity to have anger before Adam and Eve fell, before Satan rebelled? Yes, he did. Right? God didn't change. Nobody had ever seen that. What makes God mad? Injustice. What is injustice? It's crossing somebody's boundaries. It's perpetrating harm. It's trespassing. You have to have something of value to trespass. That's the difference between private property and public property. We are the highest act of God's creation. Therefore, we are to be treated with respect, whether somebody is a Christian or not, or has a relationship with him or not. Also, nature is to be treated with respect. So that's why we don't just willy-nilly destroy nature. So we are stewards of that. But the highest act of his creation is our people. People are to be treated with respect. To the extent that we treat people with respect or not, we will be somewhere on this chart. This is the best way to understand psychopathy or the old-fashioned term reprobate mind, but this precedes that by a thousand years. So the way to understand this, and, and every one of us right now, quite frankly, are on this chart. Up on the left, the best way to understand this is that is the straight and narrow. Remember my other little chart? There we go. What we're going to look at is this, the blue part and that rainbow of colors would be where the positive one is. I tried to draw a little flat area. Okay. We're going to call that the path of life. God wants us on the straight and narrow, and he's going to then develop us for the rest of our lives towards uh, genuine character growth, character growth that has his character traits. So we call that, especially since psychopathy has to do with the mind, God wants to develop his mind or in us, or if somebody comes from a Christian perspective, you've heard the term, the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ all about? How God sees things, especially people. God cares very much about people. So I am as spiritual, and I am as close to him, and I am as on the path of life as I treat other people the way he would want me to. To the extent that I don't, I'm off the path. Now the snowball-like process starts. Why am I even talking about this? Because this is how somebody ends up becoming a sexual psychopath. What do they do? They get off the straight and narrow, which is on the blue, and it starts. What is it? Ego. And it will start going through various categories. It will have everything to do with the degree of impact, and really from left to right, the degree of negative impact that we have on someone. The greater the, ex or the greater extent to which that I am hurting someone... I am moving from left to right, and the question is, how does God feel about it? Those are the upper categories there. So the more selfish I become, the more uh, descending into the right I become. So if I become, now I'm going to scroll down, I'm going to uh, drop down to see the word defiler that's way down at the very bottom, bottom right. Just under the defiler is the sadistic. Now we're going to move out just for a moment. I'm going to go straight up. We've got the calculating, the cruel. Now, most people that go to church don't understand. Look at the very next word, by the way. Slander. Do you know what the Greek word for slander is? Diabolos. I'm no more like Satan than when I am doing soul murder and ruining somebody's reputation. 
people need to be very careful. Look what category you are under. If you slander someone, you're eligible for God's destruction. Okay, so just heads up. If, uh, go straight down then from there to the third to the last silver word, the vile. If you are preying upon someone sexually, guess where you are? Guess how God feels about you? That's why Jesus talked about a big stone and a big body of water. Where would sexual offenses be? Let me see if I can find it right here. Now, this is my own, right? If, if you don't agree with this, tell you what, make your own chart and reach out to me and we'll talk about it. Okay. I challenge everybody, if, you, if this doesn't really fit for you, okay, do a word study. And you figure out what to do with these categories, because these are very consistent. Whenever you see these below the line, you will always see that there is a corresponding response and perspective from God toward that kind of person and what they're eligible for. And by the way, since right in the middle, see the word oppression? That's different than persecution. Persecution has to do with, I want the person, if I'm a persecutor, I want you to shut your mouth because I don't want to hear it. And if you shut your mouth, I'll stop hurting you. Oppression is about evil. Those are two very different things. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That's not oppression. Oppression is evil. When I take knapsacks and I place it on someone else, I weigh them down. What is the knapsack? My responsibility to do what is right, just, and fair. When I start to get to a point where I am comfortable being oppressive, see the word oppression? Go straight up. What's right in the middle there? The word fool. My contention is this. A fool has crossed the point of no return. They're beyond hope. John, how can you say that? Okay. They've lost the desire to ever be any other way than they are. How can I say that? Well, there's a verse that says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no... doesn't say he said it with his mouth, but if you get to a point where you don't believe you're ever going to be held accountable, what is there ever to cause you to hang a left and go back up to the straight and narrow? You don't care anymore. So, by the time somebody's a fool... I submit to you in Matthew 7, they're a pig and a dog. They are equivalent to a reprobate mind, and they are beyond hope. Are we supposed to be around someone who is hell-bent? No. But how many churches believe you keep hanging in there with everyone? Really? That's not what the Lord says. Where should you, uh, and we should match. As a matter of fact, church discipline should match this. So is there a point at which somebody is put out of the church, so to speak? Or is there a point in time where Mr. and Mrs. Spouse that you should separate? 100%. If someone becomes a fool, you are to get, you are to separate from them. So do not keep hanging in there because that is not love. That is actually based in fear and you will simply facilitate harm. And there's a lot of uh, men that are into porn and wives are told they need to just keep hanging in there. That is not true. You need to separate at the very least within about six months if the guy doesn't turn around. If you don't like that, then come up with your own plan. Okay, but, okay now. How does a man descend down to, oh, I'm sorry, um, so the sex offenses, I believe, would be 
right in there. Okay, remember where fool was? Right about where the word the sexual manipulator starts. So when you're dealing with men that sexually offend, this is how you need to see them. They didn't just slip. They weren't taken in a fall. They didn't just, uh, they weren't overtaken. They weren't um, blindsided by sin. Satan didn't get the best of him. Uh, They didn't just have a bad day or into depression. They didn't just have low self-esteem. They weren't reenacting their own abuse. What were they doing? They're willful. This is deviance. Deviance is the issue, but if you want to fast-track the process downward, you add porn and then the internet, and you will speed, you will supercharge the process over on the floating, the upright there, judicially abandoned by God. They're given over. That's what that word means. They're judicially abandoned to a self-imposed, non-functioning, fixed, and depraved mind. The further they go down, they are beyond hope. Why? They've lost the desire to be any other way than they are. So by the time you get it between his wrath and his vengeance, it's over. They'll talk a good game. As a matter of fact, the most convincing ones are the, one, are the ones on the right. Those are the ones that will come to church. That's why, look, how I, look at the term I have down there, the sexually violent child predator. Those are the ones that are going to be uh, finding positions as mandated reporters, such as teachers, school administrators. They're not only going to be politicians, but they're going to be psychologists. They're going to go into the mental health field. They're going to go into child welfare. They're going to run orphanages. They're going to be social workers. They're going to be um, physicians that deal with who? The most vulnerable and those that are gender confused. And they will be the ones to set kids up for financial and sexual predation. Okay, so you can see the different terms. I'll go through them quickly. You've got the sexual manipulator, perverse sexual appetites, unnatural sexual sexual affections. These terms really come out of Scripture now that I'm reading these again. Uh, The sexual defrauder, uh, you see the reference there, sexually twisted, sexually deviant, uh, the sexually depraved, the sexual thief comes to steal and destroy. The sexually calculating, okay, I've added some of these. There it is, SVP, sexual violent predator, the sadistic, the defiler, and the very worst one is what? Sexually, the child predator. Now, sexually violent predator does not mean they beat the tar out of the kid. What it means is they love inflicting trauma. What does trauma look like? Very subtle at times. A cult leader traumatizes someone to where now what is good, bad, right, wrong, up, down is all flip-flopped. The Stockholm Syndrome is the result of trauma, where the victim aligns with the aggressor. So it is evil to draw a child away from his or her family. Uh, And what are the stair-step-like process downward? Here's another chart that'll show you By the time somebody gets down, what's happening in his or her character, so the progression of deviance and psychopathy, 
uh, given these levels, of course, they've gotten off the straight and narrow. So for those who wrestle with pornography, I would put that in level one and also really level one. This is what we would call taken in a fall. David was at level one, and then he moved into level two. Okay, Now, of course, they didn't have pornography back then, but David became selfish. As a matter of fact, the servant, when David said, get her for me, he's saying, hello, that's Uriah the Hittite's wife. He says, get her for me. So he had moved. He was inadvertent when he saw her, but then what did he do? So really, he was already in that selfish mode, and he inadvertently saw that. So if a selfish person inadvertently sees something, you will find out what category they're at. Okay, so for those men, as uh, since I'm focusing on men for a moment, um, for a man to stumble into pornography, there is grace. But you need, if, if I'm talking to you, mister, you need to get some help. I would recommend go on SurvivorSupport.net under the uh, Insights tab to Porn and Dark Deviance so you get healthy fear of what can happen. You can see they're going to move from selfish, they're already getting into pornography now, and now steady diet of porn, that's going to put them in level three, moving to level four, calloused and indifferent. You look at how porn progresses into very, there we go, very deviant stuff. You're already not caring about the person. And BDSM or kink is what? If you can watch a a man put his hand on a woman's throat, you're already callous and indifferent. But you have moved into willful and purposeful, especially what? You are willfully and purposely violating your conscience. You're becoming different now. And deviance is you no longer, for a man, you, uh, he no longer gets an erection over physical appearance and attraction. It's now he is getting off on harming someone. Silence my phone here. Um, so twisted and dark, you look at how that progresses. And this is the stuff we see online. Then And now the twisting effect, now morally inverted. What used to be right, wrong, good, bad is certainly inverted. And this is where uh, a man continues to descend downward into not just power and control, but now uh, harming. And we're going to start to get bestiality in at this level. By the time a man is into child porn, he's already been into bestiality and morally twisted. And then, what's that word? Look at level eight, given over. There's the reprobate mind. He's not coming back. Do not feel sorry for a reprobate mind. Does God feel sorry for him? Well, let's let's go back. Does God feel sorry for the reprobate mind? Look at about, uh, you know, the twisted and the wicked and the vials. Go straight up. Do not have sympathy on those that God does not have sympathy on. You match your response, and same thing with churches. Trust me, if somebody has offended a child, they're eligible for what aspect of God's character? Far right. Do not, as a church, have sympathy on those that God has has held over for destruction. Because you're going to send a message to who? To the perp. He's gotten away with it, so you become a fellow enabler. And what message? And why is God angry? He's angry on behalf of the survivor. You will insult, you harm, you insult God's justice, and you harm, you do double harm to the survivors that are in churches if you say, we're going to welcome back the lost sheep. And if you can't discern who the lost sheep is, I'm going to help you with this chart. 
Okay, there's eight categories of offenders based upon my 14 years of experience working with um, sex offenders. But this came out of uh, my time working on psych staff doing sex offender treatment in the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. Move from left to right. The best way to understand sex offenders is not through a cognitive behavioral approach. I have yet to meet someone. I probably met two, but they were on the special units dealing with those that had real issues with their brains. To take a cognitive behavioral approach with a, which, with a man who knew the difference between right and wrong in a way is silly. Why? Because what are you going to teach him? It's not that he didn't know the difference. He didn't care. So he's got to get his heart back. How do you do that? Quite frankly, you scare the daylights out of him. How do you do that? You reintroduce a spiritual perspective that someday is payday someday. That's the only hope. So you have to bring back, it's like the 12 steps. Steps one through three basically says there is a God, you're not him. And step four is he, and step three is he really is taking notes. Step four is you better do a searching and fearless moral inventory. Meaning that's really Matthew chapter five. If you're at the altar presenting your gift and you suddenly remember, suddenly remember what? That you were really hurtful. You better leave your gift at the altar and go take care of business. So these are the different categories, and you will see these categories have certain kinds of pornography in each. The gateway drug used to be Playboy, and Ted Bundy started with Playboy. It starts over on the left. You will see that those will be the the misdemeanor sexual offenses. We call those the young and the dumb because that's typically the 19 or 20-year-old that we would have in group. Uh, What happened, instead of realizing he graduated from high school and he needs to be on going, uh, hanging out with college students, what does he do? He goes back, uh, you know, he's developmentally young and delayed. And so his friends are what? Seniors. Well, he's now graduated and they have a party. I'm not justifying any of this, right? But they have a party, and there's a 17-year-old there. And she's the daughter of the judge. And he's 19 or 20. And so what do you think is going to happen? He can end up in the same kind of group as someone that has violated, uh, truly violated women in the the worst kind of way, and um, kids. Now, depending upon high or low intensity, but it's really eye-opening for those young men because some of those guys had their sisters molested, and they can be end they can end up in a group by the same kind of guy that molested their sister, maybe a father or a stepfather. So the challenge is in sex offender treatment to make sure one you know three quarters of the guys don't beat the tar out of the other uh, pedophiles. Okay, moving from left to right. You then have the low-level felony sex offender. What is his issue? Selfishness and idiotic. Still the young and the dumb, it's selfish. Why do we say idiotic? Because this is a guy like, hello, McFly, you know. Um, No, you can't uh, take advantage of someone even if she said, uh, yes, I'm okay with a hookup. Um, Because in the morning... You leave yourself open to what? Or let's say you go visit a prostitute and she starts to steal your wallet while she's giving you favors and you get angry. I had these kind of situations. Then he beats the tar out of her and now he's in for both assault and battery and a sex offense. So we would call that the selfish and idiotic, or I call that. And now we're moving into the deviants, though. 
what's going on in his heart. Now, I'm not, again, the two left categories are not anything to uh, sneeze about, meaning we take all of it seriously. But you're going to see the degree of victim impact move from uh, more and more profound as we move to the right. So sexual deviance, that's the perverted and proud. There is the condition of the heart. Okay, And pride goes before a fall and pride is ego and ego perpetrates selfishness. Then we move to the sexual perpetrator. By this time, now somebody's getting arrested. Can you end up going? uh, Can you commit? As a matter of fact, can you commit any of these and not be arrested? Smarter you are. Okay, but up until, strangely enough, it may not be until category four. Now, again, these are John Euler's categories, right? As far as the categories I discerned uh, and have discerned over the 14 years now working with guys. But it is possible for the first offense now that's going to send somebody upstate is category four. Okay. But you can have all of these sitting in one group. Manipulative, conniving, and scheming. So that's the perpetrator. Notice the words. Conniving and scheming. Manipulative. What are they doing with their knapsacks? They're dumping it on someone else. This is a guy that knows how to groom really well. The first three categories, they don't groom very well. But now you're starting to develop the art of deception. Now you've got sexual predators. Deceitful, calculating, and callous. Pedophiles. Sick, twisted, and depraved. Sexually violent predators. Coercive, cold-hearted, and forcible. And now SVPs that target kids, or the wolf in sheep's clothing. They're malevolent, devious, dark, and diabolical. They've harmonized with darkness. And I want people to understand that the further a man descends into sexual deviance, and you'll see this with the categories of porn, that they develop a malevolence toward women. How does somebody progress into sexual deviance? This also comes from my work in prison. It starts from left to right. We're going to now see how somebody becomes a sexual psychopath. It starts with, so I want to caution men. There are going to be some men that watch this, and pastors, if you're watching this, if you're doing this, but some, you need to be aware there are men in your church that are somewhere on this chart. A lot of men, unfortunately. Okay? So, over on the left, prolonged attraction and emotional pull. That is somebody that is now dabbling in porn on the internet. We would even say that's David and Bathsheba before Bathsheba. What happens? As a matter of fact, this would be David as well. Leaving oneself open to temptation. So these two categories are very redeemable. Then what happens? Actively allowing sexually provocative or stimulating material. Okay, And this is still a lot of men in churches right now. Okay, For example, Sports Illustrated, uh, Swimsuit Edition, Victoria's Secret Catalog, Explicit Romance Novels, Women Don't Get a Pass. <laughs> But if you see, okay, so 50 Shades of Grey, this kind of stuff. Okay. And unfortunately, that's in society. People now yawn at these three kind of things. And now it's going to progress. Seeking out sexually stimulating material. Now we've gone from inadvertent, and we're trying to resist to all of a sudden what's happened. Now the guy's taking his brakes off. 
And now can you kind of see that shift? He's been trying to resist temptation. He's got a, on the left, he still sort of has a firewall. Then he has no firewall. He's not acting in wisdom or walking in wisdom. And now he's dabbling in third category. Now what's he's doing? Now it has hooked him. This is a book of James where it says, you know, sin once conceived. It's like a fish. It's that fly in the Venus flytrap. It's the little fish nibbling at the sea anemone. It's the gazelle that has, you know, these are the first couple of categories, and now it's drinking deeply of poisoned water when there's something in that water. It's the crocodile now that's slowly moving to the up to the gazelle who has now uh, become comfortable. It's going to become lunch. So now the guy is seeking out graphic sexually material, the sexually stimulating and explicit material. You know, but this is now people pass this in, in a day, virtually, sadly. So hustler and penthouse. So it used to be, there you go, seeking out sexually stimulating material. There's, we would call that the soft core. But now, I mean, what I would categorize this is the um, halftime show uh, for the NFL Super Bowl halftime show. Absolutely. J-Lo, what she was doing, we've got at least category four here. If not moving into, right, how many young men have been triggered by um, NFL, by Super Bowl halftime shows? Okay, so when we move to seeking out graphics, sexually stimulating and explicit material. Okay, so now we're moving to the, I've got my camera right in the way, uh, sexually exploitive or degrading. This is the BDSM stuff. Fifty Shades of Grey. By the time somebody's into this, look at the categories he's already descended through. Computer-stimulated alter egos. These are the little games. And now what you're going to see online. These are the furries. These are uh, When you go online and you start speaking about the dangers of porn, the harm of porn, the dangers of furries for minors, what you're going to see is you're going to get all sorts of comments. You're going to get lambasted by who? Adults that hide 100% of their identity, who have little characters for their little icons, and on a lot of their pages, you're going to see that they have personas and fursonas. Okay, so they have these little alter egos, animal characters, anime, and they're going to have photographs especially deviant anime porn. And these are the ones that, um, again, uh, my contention is this. Somebody at a very uh, dark level can, uh, will show them. It's like the submarine that's coming to the surface. Remember the, um, the chart that I showed? I'm going to bring this back up. We could have our guy on the right here that's a user and a manipulator. He's actually, we could say, potentially... Because the person on the left doesn't know the number this guy is at, the guy on the right. He could be a minus 10. He could be super pig. Okay, so you don't know who you're dealing with. So somebody that has all of this, as far as right in the middle, computer simulated alter ego, could very well be on the far right. But that's all they're showing. Why? To lure and attract. We call that grooming. If you continue, you're going to go into sexual use, manipulation, and exploitation, degradation of youth. Why? Because pornography tends downward, and I want people to understand this, picture an hourglass, how an hourglass has a V-shape right down to the middle, 
where it becomes very small. All of pornography is like that. It starts with adult. Don't ever let someone tell you they've always been attracted to children. That is a lie. How can we say that? They're the world's greatest liars. You can't believe anything that comes out of their mouth. Thank you. Okay, so every one of them were attracted. They started with adult porn. They started with these same categories, but it it progresses down to what the inmates will call, the sex offenders will call, barely legal. That is where adult women want to look young, and you see young children being dressed up to look older. And it converges at about the age of 13. Barely legal, but barely legal is what? Actually should be 17. Okay. Um, It is at that point that you will separate out, this sounds strange, the regular sex offenders from the pedophiles. The regular sex offenders will not go further, though they start looking at material that's taking them younger, and then all of a sudden, this sounds strange, but they will awaken and be shocked by themselves, and they will stay with adult porn, but they'll still do heinous things or you know manipulative things. I'm not minimizing their offenses. But how can you tell this? Because when you have all these different men in one group, you can see it on their face. But with the pedophiles, they didn't stop. They continued down. And so now we're into this category. So you're going to have, um, you know, I add this category, the one sexual use, manipulation, and exploitation. Okay. But if someone continues down, now it's the degradation of youth. So uh, I tried to show here, it's not uh, clear at face value on this chart now that I'm rereading it, but you you will have these two categories. This is where the separation takes place of pedophiles versus non-pedophiles. But um, for instance, when you look at the serial rapist murderers, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, when you look at Bundy, uh, BTK killer, Hillside Strangler, virtually every single serial rapist murder will almost have exclusively adult victims, which shows you how vile the pedophiles are. Now, I've had some people, oh, we've, you know, somebody had, BTK killer killed two kids because they actually saw and witnessed what was going on. So he said, well, but Ted Bundy, a 13-year-old, okay. But how, how many women, adults? So we're talking 99% of the victims of serial rapist murders are going to be adult women. Now, teenage, you know, late teens, typically. So my contention is this. A pedophile is a bloodless serial murderer. I mean, he's murdering the soul. And that's why they have so many victims. They far surpass the numbers of victims that, uh, quote-unquote, regular uh, sex offenders have sexual degradation. I'm reading down the violence of adults, uh, uh, CI detective stories. You see that a lot uh, with the serial rapists and murderers. They read that kind of stuff. There's BDSM, I reverse those letters. Um, there's bestiality down there. Bribes and secrets are used to gain the victim's silence. Those are kids, typically. Calculated sexual rape. I'm moving to the next category, second to last. A calculated sexual rape and use of children for purposes of personal power and control, uh, as well as adults in this sexual deviance, profit, and ego satisfaction. People can go back and watch this. But at the very right, cold, calculated, methodical, and strategic raping of the child or adult. But look at what happens. They get into the thrill of the chase. 
There's a big difference. Motivated by the thrill of the chase, cat and mouse, the, the ability to fool those who would try to stop him. Folks, when you see men dressing in women's underwear and drag and going into private spaces, why do they take photographs of themselves? Women don't do that when they're dressed as men. It's the men. Why? It's the same reason why you see TikTok videos of these men masturbating in the women's room, because they are at this category. Those are the same ones that want into rape shelters and women's prisons and women's sports. It's not to win medals, it's to gain access to the showers and locker rooms. What is the process downward? There's a layering effect. Here's those same ranges. You've got misdemeanor, low-level felonies, sexual perpetrator. You notice that comes right out of that one. Okay, the again, misdemeanors, low-level fences. I mean, I kept the top categories. Now we're going to show under moral disposition. Now we're going to do the layering effect in terms of this is how somebody becomes a pedophile. They're going to become personality disordered, but they're going to be sophisticated. Why? That is a long-standing way of approaching life and people, meaning that's who they are. It's fixed now. Then they become profoundly sexually twisted, warped, and deviant. So first, it's a personality disorder. Now, somebody could say, well, John, you just said it's um, not antisocial personality. Correct. But how about narcissism? You layer narcissism with all sorts of stuff, and you're going to start to have ego that grows. Uh, Driven by sexual gratification, once somebody achieves that, then you layer it with what? Actively seeks to sexually defraud and steal. Once somebody's doing that, they're crossing more boundaries. Now they're going to go, they're going to create a situation where the victim is unable or unwilling to consent. Pedophiles will always play with the word consent. After they get over on boundaries and you can't stop them, then they meet the criteria for what? Pedophile. And then uh, either they, they're staying focused now on kids because that's the most fun, so to speak, in terms of traumatizing, but also what's happening with women at the same time. That is why just because a man uh, on paper has only sexually offended kids, how many women has he already sexually offended? So they are into dominance and degrading of women. They have no empathy or conscience. There's the psychopathy, and they have a desire to generate trauma. And by that time, they really have a desire to defile kids. And here are the ranges of categories of sex offenders. You notice along the top, you have low intensity, moderate intensity, and high intensity sex offender. You have those different categories. Those will receive different Um, levels of treatment, which is really duration and topics covered. But again, I'll go through the categories and then we'll be finished. There may be a couple other others I'll show you real fast. So you have the developmentally stuck, the the young and the dumb. They, They need to grow up. They need to mature and the offending will stop. Okay, ego-driven, foolish, or opportunist. There's the self-styled playboy or stud. They need to repent. And they need to take seriously their accountability. And they need to realize that no more of this stuff whatsoever. Again, we call that low intensity, self-absorbed and self-entitled. There's hope for low intensity sex offenders. 
So when people ask me, are they re, uh, able to be rehabilitated? It depends upon what category, but you can end up now with static 99. And here's my concern about that. You can have what should be high intensity sex offenders. Now pedophiles that are rated as what? If the person do, if the evaluator doesn't know what they're doing, you could take someone who is a child offender and rate them as low intensity. And I think for right now, that'll probably be enough. So, Tanya, I'm going to turn it back over to you. And so we can interact. Yeah, I'm sitting, I'm sitting here taking all kinds of notes. <laughs> and I think I'm I've almost to... used up all our time. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what, we were going to shoot for 90 minutes. And if it's another two hours, I just like I say, I know the feedback uh, that we received from the uh, first show. And I think that this information is so critical and so vital. I don't know anybody else that's providing this kind of uh, information and these kinds of um, graphs that you you know, have displayed tonight. And as the, what's going through my mind, and maybe it's going to be going through some of our viewers' minds, is that we're looking at what's going on in our schools. We're seeing that there's no doubt that our kids are being groomed, that the schools and the education system have been infiltrated by I'm going to say it, sexual deviants, individuals who have looked for this opportunity to get closer to children. And I am just sitting here on the magnitude of what we're facing. What do we do? How, how, how do we address this? Uh, because, you know, as you as you know, and our viewers know, most people know what Action for Canada is doing as far as exposing the darkness. And I do believe that that's critical. And I think that it is definitely having an impact because they were very clever because they were very patient over these last couple decades as they've incrementally implemented this plan in breaking down as you know the common word is becoming now of the societal norms and in 2000 i read back as far as 2004 today uh about uh, i can't remember his name right now but he was in the article that i uh produced of how in 2004 he was a teacher and there was a boy that was spending a lot of time with the girls and so he thought and he was being teased and bullied over it and so he thought it would be a good uh time for him to go and have a conversation with that boy and to talk to all of them about what it meant to be gay and so he's made it his life endeavor since 2004 to get into the school system to promote the soji and to the point where now he is uh you know helping to instruct and recruit soji leads at the University of uh, British Columbia and and that's how insidious it is in society right now our experience that with the notice of liability that we've had against the sexual orientation and gender identity, the books, the uh, gay straight alliance clubs, those gay straight alliance clubs where again, they're indoctrinating kids in into these groups and binding their breasts and, and having, you know, personal time with them and telling them not to discuss it with their parents and then bringing in the drag queens as well. This whole system has just morphed and blown up in our faces. And I feel like it was in the dark and now they've gone too far. They've overstepped. And by us 
moving into the school boards, by us being present, by us raising up in opposition, we are beginning to turn the turn the tide. But is there something more that we can do? Because to me, this it's horrifying. The best thing that you can do is, first of all, educate people. And so mm-hmm. hopefully uh, even this program can be a means of doing that. People need to understand the nature of sexual deviance, and they need to understand what sexual predators are like, because there's a lot of myths out there. As a matter of fact, I recommend my site, churchprotect.org. The reason I'm recommending that is that was my original training site. It still is. But churchprotect.org has, there we go, um, has up at the top, sorry, if you want to go back up at the top, you'll see some tabs. One is myths. I recommend you start there. Go into the myths tab. You will see a lot of myths that will counter the what I call urban legends that have come from the literature from poor research. Your research is, especially in the social sciences, your research is only as good as how you do that or your methodology. And if you approach the issue of researching sex offenders and researching sexual deviants, if you approach it like we would any other endeavor, you're going to have flawed and skewed and false results. Why? Because you're dealing with men by nature that are deceptive because they are deviant because they are they have a goal in mind. So if you take at face value the average person, that's social science. You can say, well, four out of five people say this. But if you are dealing with those that hunger and thirst after defiling the most vulnerable, who want to be able to have even greater equal direct access, then they have an agenda. And they love the fact that as they are talking, you're taking notes because you're quoting them and you're taking that as gospel. They are spinning you. They're using you as a useful idiot. They're playing you Mm -hmm. for fools. So predators, perpetrators, pedophiles know us better than we know them because they once had a conscience. And their goal is to flip sympathies, to switch the sympathies away from survivors and vulnerable women and children onto the deviant men. Deviant men do not need our sympathies. Okay, so what I say this, and ultimately here's the answer in my estimation. Everyone needs to take a high bar approach when it comes to protecting vulnerable women and children. You don't compromise on that. You can compromise on a lot of things, but the safety of women and children trump the sensitivities of porn accessing men. What do I mean porn accessing men? It's it's simply this. In this day and age, what percentage of men access porn? Probably over 90%, and that's probably underrated as well, because how do they find that out? They ask. Well, not everybody's going to be really honest. So the vast majority of men, even quote-unquote normal men that are family men, that hold down stable jobs and are philanthropic and all that, are accessing porn. The one thing that is true about pornography is if a man accesses it, he's going to start to become different. You move down that slippery slope. Well, 
when you meet a man, do you know what he's been doing the night before? No. The only way you know that is in prison, by the way. Because there's 24-7 monitoring. So the only way really to do effective sex offender research is to have your office where? Not in the ivory tower of academia, but where? In a prison for years. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that an academic can't derive meaningful information. But again, if I don't understand the nature of sexual deviance, if I don't understand psychopathy, if I don't understand sex offending, if I don't understand what pornography does to the male mind, then I won't understand that I could be talking to a man who can appear, because of impression management, very kind, very loving, very sympathetic, very reasonable. Love is love. Love knows boundaries. No knows boundaries, and no love knows no age. And I just wanted, as a matter of fact, you know, Tanya. What I really want to do is give the kids what I never had. I'm going to play. I'm going to role play. I just really feel a burden to help children with their self-esteem and to feel understood because I remember as a child, you know, I just never really felt comfortable in my own body, and you know, I just I was always playing with Barbies. Now. I'm going to go out of character for a second. How do you know <laughs> any of what I'm saying is true? Right. Well, I look sincere, don't I? Mm-hmm. Uh, call that a con artist. Mm-hmm. Every politician looks sincere. So I have to understand uh, as far as part of that, and you could tell where my little spiel was going to go. I'm going to play you for a fool because you believe I'm telling you the truth. Why? Because I look sincere. But you have no clue what a psychopath is like. They can play you for fools. So you can have people that sound sincere, but have an agenda, which is to lower the bar on protecting and making it easier to gain access to kids, to groom them with very sexualized material. And little by little, they are manipulating and they are impacting the way kids think and the way their emotions. And before you know it, you've begun to influence, you've unduly influenced these kids to where they're easier prey for pedophiles. And then they're going to get on the moving sidewalk of the trans movement where sterilization, eventually amputation of body parts happens. Right. And, and, you know, we're talking incrementally and you've talked a lot about pornography. And I think I heard you, I think I've heard you say that if there was no pornography, there would be no LGBTQ. And, uh, you know, as far as sexual offenses and things like this are concerned. And you've also said, you know, that they're trying to, uh, not trying to, they're accomplishing affecting a child's intuition. And we are born with some natural intuition, you know, where you say, you know, my, my gut, I had this feeling in my gut that this was wrong. And now they're so perverting what it is that a child in a normal, uh, healthy society would be able to have determined. I remember growing up, there were individuals that came to school. There was police officers and said, look, we've got black socks and, you know, certain characteristics about the, they are if anybody approaches you and, and they're not wearing those black socks and different things, then you have to question whether or not they're legitimately a police officer and whether you should go away with them. Like there were certain things being instilled into us. Us. And, uh, you know, the, there was 
this over-sexualizing in the school systems, these pornographic books, it all breaks down not only their intuition, but their confidence. They will begin to feel that shame. And, you know, maybe some will feel dirty or disgusting. And then they become easier to manipulate. And this cycle starts to begin. And we are starting to pump these kids out of the school system who are not only just, uh, you know, mentally and physically being harmed, but it goes to that soul issue that you were talking about as well. And what I think I'd like to do right now is because not, you know, parents throughout the world, I mean, the US, Ireland, the UK, everybody is dealing with this same thing. It, it has really, it is really a global agenda. So we know what it is to see the videos online right now of irate parents walking into the school boards and being censored and shut down and turned away and blocked. And So what we're finding with the notice of liability, and we did this regarding the jab as well, is that we thought, okay, there has to be a sense of liability because not everybody, not seven out of seven of those school trustees are pedophiles or groomers. Some of them are just those individuals that don't want to, they just are there for the job and and they don't want to create any type of trouble for themselves because they don't care about the children. So they're going along to get along. And what we're doing is we're saying, look, what you're doing to children, a notice of liability is a notice that says what you're doing is either unlawful or causing harm. And then we provide evidence of it, the criminal code. And in this situation, it's both. What they're doing is criminal and it's causing harm. And so these individuals that are going along to get along are thinking, hmm, I see the criminal code is being quoted there. I am beginning to agree that this is sexualizing and sexually exploiting children. How long do I want to carry on going along with with this agenda? Then you've got the other individuals, and I want to talk to you about a couple of them, a superintendent, school board uh, trustees, like Willow Reichelt. We've uh, done several videos on her in the Chilliwack School District, who is denying even the conversation to address the books. And if you talk about any type of the the criminal code or the legal aspect of it, you know, she mutes people. Then you've got the person sitting next to her, Karen Bonder, whom I I understand that you have uh, done your risk assessment on. But I want to talk about uh, somebody else. I'm going to give a scenario rather than bring up names. We have um, in British Columbia an individual who is a drag queen. So we dug into who this drag queen was, and it ends up that they weren't only a drag queen, they're an EA, an education assistant, at the local in the local school district. And they are also part of um, BC Autism Association. So we did a little more deeper dive into this person, one thing to be a drag queen, but we know I would encourage everybody to do this. If you know that there's going to be a drag queen in a community library library or invited to a school, start doing some research on them because you will see them proudly going across the stage in you know with the most vile uh in the conduct and go to their social media sites. So we did exactly that. We found videos that were not performances on stage, but videos enacting murders. This individual would murder somebody in the video. They would dismember them. 
Then they were grinding up their body parts and making a meal and eating them and then feeding them to a pig, their pet pig. This pet pig happens to be a pig that is used as a prop in in the municipality in family-friendly events in the parks during the summer. We have a situation in British Columbia years ago where we had the Picton pig farmer where he was uh, murdering prostitutes and feeding them to their pigs. There's, you know, there's some very sick details about this individual. And then the social media site was filled with the most vulgar, uh, disgusting content that I'd ever come across. And we captured all of that. So what we did is we put all this evidence together and we provided it to the school board and the school board superintendent. And I have had reports that the school board superintendent told this individual, just turn your social media off from the public and we're okay. And as far as it, what would we said, it was uh, the videos are artistic uh, license is, is what they had said. So if, I'm looking at this from two scenarios. I know I know school trustees uh, that are speaking up on that school board about Soji and about the books. I know there's really good people. And, and so they're watching all of this unfold and doing their best to manage it. But the school superintendent has consistently covered up, supported the books, said it's on based on um you know the the amendment to the human rights code to include gender identity and gender expression they're just complying and uh you know they don't want to be in violation of of the human rights code and this is the position that he's taking now just to finish off in this city the RCMP are our, our um federal uh police that's they're called the RCMP in Canada the RCMP have just launched a new unit because of a surge in child pornography. The mayor was arrested a couple of months ago for sexual crimes. They waited till after the election, I believe, to arrest him. And I just saw another um, headline that uh, there's a high rate of sexual exploitation of children in this same city. So there's a lot going on. I've just unpacked a little bit. But with this individual, if you were to do a risk assessment of someone like this being around children in such an intimate environment of taking care of their every need, what would you in, in a professional aspect say about this? I would say that if anybody doesn't take him at face value, you don't understand how to keep people safe. Right. So the one thing about psychopaths is, is this, especially sex, sexual psychopaths, but it's by the time somebody becomes psychopathic, especially a man, half the fun, I use that in quotes, because they're driven. People need to understand that about a psychopath, where a decent person is driven to be of use and of benefit to others. That's why we volunteer. That's why at Christmas time we put money in the Salvation Army bucket. We just don't walk by it. We, you know, right? Uh, why do we do that? We become charitable. There's something within us that drives us to be of benefit and to want to help. That's why we help. We volunteer. By the time somebody becomes psychopathic, it's the opposite. It's all about, and this is how they see the world. It becomes their hunting ground. 
and they are driven in terms of their appetites, in terms of every waking moment. People need to understand this. Every thought I think, every, every moment my eyes blink, I'm driven to hunt. Why? Because I'm never satisfied with the last carcass. I'm on to the next. But if I look really normal, you don't know what I'm about. That's why if I'm a financial psychopath, I will go from one hedge fund to the next to the next. If I'm a financial psychopath that I'm working churches, I will embezzle from one church and I'll move on to the next. Mm-hmm. I'll start the I'll start my own church. I'll start my own next and then I'll I'll sell used cars and I'll start up another church. I'm bilking people out of their money. If I'm a sexual psychopath, if I'm a sociopath, it's all about notches on my belt in a way, and, and how, how much I can get, and then I'll move on, love you and leave you. But a psychopath, again, they're motivated to scar and mar, and they're driven, they're on the hunt. And for a psychopath, half the fun is, is in the thrill of the hunt. They're always on the hunt, and they're driven. In Proverbs 6, it talks about they can't rest. The wicked can't rest. They're like mm-hmm. the sea that's churning up. As a matter of fact, they will be bothered if a day goes by that they haven't caused trauma. That's what the, there are two ways you bother a psychopath. You limit them and you don't allow them to get over on somebody. Okay. Right. So if you understand psychopaths, especially sexual psychopaths, that someone day in, day out, 24 7, is planning their next crime. But prior to it becoming public, we don't know they're perpetrating crimes or we would have stopped them. So the day before somebody becomes a sex offender, what were they doing? Offending. They just weren't busted. What do we call them the day before they're arrested? Benjamin Levin was the Minister of Education for Ontario. He's a heinous sex offender. He's a heinous child predator. He's back on yeah. Twitter, by the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was discovered on his electronics was absolutely vile. But what was he the day before he was found out? He was just not busted yet, but he was just as vile. But why didn't people suspect him? Because... That's how good they are. But behind the scenes, they're doing what? So I have to understand that there really are people in our midst, our churches, in the trans movement, in athletics, in education, in medicine. Think about Larry Nasser. He was what? He was the doctor for the women's, the U.S. women's gymnastics team. How old were those young ladies? Not very old, all things being equal. And he had been perping for how long? So a sophisticated predator, sexual predator, will seek out the greatest pool of potential targets. That's one thing. But they will then find positions of trust, responsibility, and authority. But trust is the most fun for them. Because they're first going to groom the adults in the room before they groom the kids, not just to see, not just so that they can get away with it, because they'll perp on kids as they're talking to an adult. They'll pick up a child, 
and you think they're holding the child. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. Okay. Uh, so you have to understand that in order to protect kids, you have to become discerning and in a healthy way, suspicious of people. We're not jaded, but we better be suspicious. What I say is this, any man that shows an unusual interest in the sex and sexuality of kids, that's a red flag. Why? Think about in the average marriage counseling, two primary complaints by the wife toward the husband. He won't talk to me. He won't spend time with the kids. He won't even go out and play ball with them. If you have a man that appears to be a child magnet, just tracks these kids, that's a red flag. You need to understand that. And on top of it, if he seems fixated about what? Wanting to help kids with their sexuality, that's an additional red flag. You had better be mindful. Third, if he acts sexually deviant, what does that look like? Well, he's probably, uh, think about the way he's acting and envision what he was accessing online the night before, then multiply it by 10, heading downward on the slippery slope. So if you see a man twerking on stage in front of kids, or dressed as a pup, which is an animal, what do you think he's looking at online? Or dressed as a baby with diapers on, or dressed in women's underwear, no man thinks it's a reasonable proposition to dress in women's underwear and drag unless he has saturated himself in thousands of hours of pornography. Right. That's what people need to understand. Underlying all sex offenses is pornography. It's deviance that is supercharged through pornography and the internet. And unless people understand it changes the brains of a man into a hunter, then you will assume... He's a sensitive man who just wants to help kids be safe, really. Well, and he's playing with, for a fool. Yeah, John, with the like uh, the progression of the sexual deviance, etc., like I say, I was making notes. And I mean, this is just as you've gone through the whole process of showing us the characteristics of these sexual deviants, it's become so obvious that what we're facing in society right now with the drag queens is these perpetrators or predators. I would go from uh, right straight to predators and borderline with the pedophiles that this is what we're facing right now with the amount of drag queens being promoted in our libraries. And so I'm perplexed as to how all of this can be at scale by professionals like yourself, and that law enforcement wouldn't be taking this information and taking it much more seriously and taking action. What do you have to say? Like, I don't know how it differs down in the United States. I see that you're having the same problems down there that we are. But 
I I've had a situation here and I'm I'm just going to talk quite publicly about it because I I'm at a loss anymore what to do. In 2019 I mentioned it on on the last show that I had met with the whom was the assistant uh RCMP super or sorry assistant commissioner at the time and now he's the deputy commissioner commissioner in charge of British Columbia and he seemed like a genuinely good man referred to himself as a Christian and he was at um odds because they were demanding the LGBTQ wanted to put the flag up the flagpole and there should be no flags up our flagpoles except for the Canadian flag they need to get over it that's a political statement the creator of the pride flag said that's what flags are for about proclaiming power and you can see that over our city halls and over our city our schools and they wanted to proclaim power over the um, you know the police station and he ended up not permitting it to go up the pole we had some good conversations about some things and so it'd been a little while since I'd been in touch with him and I had reached out to the RCMP in Chilliwack to do uh, an assessment to commence an investigation regarding the books. And so Corporal Goddard had said, well, you know, give me a list of the books. I said, well, how about we start with 10? And it was, it's perfectly normal, gender queer, identical. The Chilliwack school High school has seven books of identical. One was out at the time that we took the screenshot and uh, new home, etc. I mean, this is pornographic material. I said, this is pornographic, sexually explicit, and I'm very concerned about our kids. And he said, well, you need to go through the process of the school boards. I said, trust me, we have. Uh, they're shutting down the school board meetings. They're not permitting uh, discussion on this. Uh, the uh, superintendent Rohan is supporting all of this as well. That was on a Friday. And I was at a speaking engagement out of town. And so uh, on the Wednesday of the following week, I thought it would take a week or two weeks through their sexual crimes division to come through to a to a decision. And I know that these are sexually explicit and pornographic, but they came back with the decision that the head of the sexual crimes division said that they have determined that these are not pornographic. And I still need to uh, get back in contact with them because I had also said sexually explicit. At the same time, the Mission School Board is banning Action for Canada on the same night they because we had presented in January and it took a lot of um, effort to make sure that I was able to display the books on the Zoom call. They actually shut me down, but not until I had a considerable amount of it on record. The headline in the media was that Action for Canada was being banned for not following policy and for showing disturbing and graphic material. We can show it to kids, but you can't show it to adults. Right? I said, oh, I, I'm, I hope this, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I'm happy if this is offending you. She goes, oh, that's not offending me. And I'm like, well, there's something definitely wrong on these school boards. And so they, they had a unanimous vote to ban action for Canada. It's unlawful what they've done. And I'm going to take, um, action. I, I, as well at the same day that I had filed this complaint, I reached out to the commissioner's office. Uh, an in, um, investigator had gotten in touch with me that works directly with him. And I said, this is not about the books. This is about uh, further information. This is about victims. I have impact statements. From girls that have had their breasts removed, one mom, her daughter committed suicide over the Mission School District. 
The Mission School District also, because they, at uh, 14 years old, a trans came in to tell them all about being trans. And if you're not comfortable in your body, you're gender dysphoric. This gal, unfortunately, went down uh, that um, avenue of being bi, trans, uh, you know, being really mixed up. But she got uh, also hooked on hard drugs and she ultimately had a fentanyl overdose. And the school district mm-hmm. is aware of this. And then the same day I'm meeting with the superintendent in Mission, a mother had, the uh, the headline was, is that a mom in Mission was filing legal action against the Mission School District because her nine-year-old boy, her son, was sexually assaulted by five classmates. There you go. And, and so, you know, this is the type of thing that we're fighting against. Legal actions will be commencing. And so I think that I would want to give people encouragement who are watching this show, who are also showing up at the school board meetings. We need thousands of people to show up at these meetings. We need them to understand that we are not going to sit back and allow our children to be sexually exploited and sexually abused within the school system and then uh, uh, then physically mutilated and and harmed for the rest of their life. And uh, I've said to people lately, like if they had a gun to your child's head playing Russian roulette, what would you do as a parent? And and that's what this SOGI indoctrination program is, because we don't know what kids are going to be manipulated and influenced enough to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to be part of the club that's living in the wrong body. And and it's just so illegal and unlawful on so many levels. And I, I just really want our viewers to understand that as John has taken you through this process to understand that these are master manipulators, they're master deceivers. They want you to be sympathetic that this is about keeping kids safe and being inclusive. But this is language that is meant to uh, groom and indoctrinate the parents while they are ferociously grooming and indoctrinating our children in the school systems. And as a result of the notice of liability uh, that we've been serving since last June and the pressure continues and now parents are coming on board and showing up at these uh, meetings with us, the whole scenario is falling apart. Whether the police want to help us out or not, I see a shift and a change in the tide. But this big light, John, that you are shining on the trans movement I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because I've been at this since 2017. You've probably been at it a lot longer and it it's finally we've got the ear of uh, citizens and you are more critical now than ever to get your message out. I appreciate it. Uh, Tanya, in, in closing, what I would say to a school board, and this hopefully will be helpful for parents. So if I'm a parent, I'm going to say a couple of things. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. School Board, regardless of spectrum, so because you're, you've got about three, four, five, six, seven categories of folks that are going to be on a school board, the well-meaning to the agenda-driven. Okay. Um, what I would say to every one of them is this. Which do you think should be the best approach for our kids in our district, in our schools? A high bar or a low bar approach to child protection? If and everybody's going to say high bar, okay. Well, if that's the case, then why do you want to permit activities and materials in our schools 
that will not only sexualize kids and cause them to have a much more difficult time with their own sexual boundaries, you will confuse them. But here's my greatest concern. So that sets them up to be preyed upon. That also causes mandated reporters to have to reframe the nine key red flag clinical indicators of sexual predation, a kid that's being perped on, a kid that's being groomed. There's about nine red flag indicators. Every mandated can you, can reporter... You, can you name those nine red flags? Sure. Well, I used to have them memorized. We'll, we'll start with the first is depression. Okay, If a child is being perped on, they're going to be depressed. Why? Flip side of hurt is anger. Anger pushed down becomes depression. Next will be anxiety. You will have panic attacks. You will have compulsive disorders. One primary one is eating disorders. You will see self-injurious behavior, the cutting. That's a primary one. You will see shifting in mood. We call those mood, well, that mood disorder is depression. But oftentimes you will see what's called borderline personality disorder and bipolar. What are those two things? A rapid shifting of mood. But genuinely, bipolar is not rapid. Okay. It acts like a, it, it, you can track it like a female's cycle, menstrual cycle. If there's a rapid shifting of mood that's usually trauma related. You can have dissociation, and many of these kids who say they're in the wrong body and want their breasts removed, and that would be another indicator, which is if you have any kid tell you that they don't want to be their same sex, they come in and say, I hate being a girl, I wish I was a boy, the number one red flag indicator is that discomfort with their own body. Why? Because every rape victim will feel a sense of shame and guilt. That's another indicator. But discomfort with their own body. Why? Especially for children. They reason within themselves. If they were not that sex or gender, what would happen? The perpetrator wouldn't be perping on them. So a girl thinks to herself, if I wasn't a girl, if I was a boy, then he wouldn't be touching me. And the removal then of those body parts, I don't like it. Those will be some of the indicators right there. Uh, the a mandated reporter is mandated to report what? Suspected abuse. Good news is you don't have to investigate it, but suspected abuse. Well, how do you suspect it? You better know the indicators. Mm -hmm. Well, if you see a kid suddenly depressed, suddenly anxious, panic attacks, um, uh, aneurysis and copresis, if you see them with, uh, and this will part of be the discussion, but nightmares. But the majority of the kids in the trans movement, they have co-occurring co or uh, more than one disorder, including they have drugs and alcohol oftentimes, but comorbidities, they're called. So the question is, what happened to this child to cause all of this? And if a child then is in uh, one of those states, the last thing you want to do is enhance a delusional state. Right? What is a delusional state? They're out of touch with reality. So if you have XY chromosomes, or if you have XX chromosomes, to tell someone they have the opposite, you are now affirming a delusion. That is not 
helpful for their mental health. They're no longer reality-based. And the one thing predators go after, by the way, is they have to overcome somebody's resistance. Resistance comes from, or really boundaries, it comes from intuition. The two populations that comprise the majority of the kids that are being targeted within the trans movement, the reason why they went into the trans movement is either social or for their own safety's sake, Sexual abuse survivors and kids on the autism spectrum both have a very hard time with their intuition, with trusting themselves. Therefore, they are easy prey. So if you're a predator, what population are you going to look for? Very trusting people. Where are you going to find those? In churches and in the trans movement, because they want to believe. So you're sitting deck. So my greatest concern is this for the board members. Do you want to take a high bar or a low bar approach? Low bar approach causes you as a mandated reporter to reinterpret the red flag indicators of sexual abuse, sexual trauma in terms of gender. So you can't fulfill your basic duty of protecting these kids. And here's the greatest concern. As much of a concern as I have for survivors and protecting them, protecting women and children, I have a little bit more concern about creating the climate and the bringing about the ingredients that will create not just sex addiction, but sexual predators. You put highly sexualized material in front of boys, and you run the risk of creating a sexual psychopath that is a hunter, and all he needs is what? Time alone with some vulnerable kid in a single-space bathroom. And therefore, here would be my final message to any school board member, which would be this, as a parent, I'll issue those concerns and say, so I want to put you, board members, on notice that if there is an increase in sexual assault, or if my kid gets sexually assaulted, I'm going to sue you in your professional capacity and personal capacity, because you have been given enough notice to ensure that you raise the bar on child protection And if you can't discern who is or isn't safe, and if you opt for a low bar approach, you have made it easy. You have facilitated the opportunity and possibly fed, uh, created a little sexual psychopath. So if there's an increase in sexual assault on campus, and if my child is sexually assaulted, you've been forewarned, I'm going to sue you in your personal capacity. That's exactly what it is that our notices of liability are for, because we've told um, people very, very clearly that as Canadians, we are all um, we all have a duty to uphold the law, the criminal code and an amendment to the human rights code to include gender identity and gender expression. I always like putting truth bombs out there because when you hear a lie often enough, it becomes other people's truths. And that's what the government has counted on for decades. Uh, regardless of what it is, they've been repeating a lot of lies in Canada. People have thought that was the truth and that they had to comply, but the, but the truth is you don't. And the amendment to the human rights code, first of all, gender identity and expression, it's an ideology. Everything else in the human rights code is based on race and and color and religion and and tangible facts-based, science-based things. There is nothing to support gender uh, ideology. It's an ideology. It's unscientific. You cannot change genders. There's two sexes, male and female. So just to make sure that's out there and and that's very clear to people and that they embrace this as the truth. So therefore... And Tanya, if I might, what I would say to the mm-hmm. to law enforcement is this. You know the books that are being used. 
you all know them. And if not, I would recommend go on to unmaskingthetransmovement.com. We just did a, an interview with Pierre Barnes. We reviewed a whole mm-hmm. lot of different books. Hey, there's a lot of books out there. Call Tanya or Tanya. Okay. Yep. Um, We've got them on our website. These books are pornographic. Okay. So what I would say is this, law enforcement officer or administration, if you're going to say, if you're going to sidestep this issue, so you know what's in these books, you know the pictures, it's perfectly normal and all these other ones. Can I do this? Can I substitute? We're going to take an identical picture, but now we're actually going to use real photographs. Instead of the drawings, we're just going to mm-hmm. superimpose same age, same activity. We're just going to superimpose actual photographs. Let it sink in. We're going to take the drawings and make them identical, but we're going to use right. photographs. Mm-hmm. Can I show those now that they're photographs instead of drawings can i show those books with the same images can i show those legally to those kids and you will have to tell me what you're going to arrest me for putting pornography in front of kids but as long as they are drawings now you're not going to touch it really law enforcement you know better because you know what sex offenders do and how they groom kids prior to arrest and it's cartoon pornography. It's a hundred percent in my mind. I've looked it up, and and uh, you know. So back to that as well. Uh, I want to make sure for the viewers as well in the description, Action for Canada. We're going to provide a link, and it's called Political LGBTQ is the page, and you'll be able. To, I always forget to say where they can find the notice of liability. We've got follow up letters, the books that uh, John is mentioning. We've got a PDF of many many samples of them uh, that we've printed off, and when we serve. Nice. Notice of liability. We provide this uh, PDF to the school trustees as well. We name the books that they have in their school that are offensive. And the reason I want people to understand gender expression, gender identity as being part of the amendment to the Human Rights Code, because this is what these frauds are basing this on. We're uh, uh, we're complying with the amendment to the Human Rights Rights Code, but it does not. Uh, counter or subvert the rights of the rest of society. It is not inclusive, exclusive, sorry, rights to this group. And so they are definitely using that as um, as, as a means to uh, stop people as if, uh, oh, you know what, it's, it's the human rights, we got to respect the human rights, and then I'm fearful if I'm going to be in violation of the human rights, because there's a criminal code offense. It, it doesn't uh, I'm, I'm not finding the word. It doesn't trump the criminal code. Sexually and exploiting and sexually code. I'm not sure the kids. Uh, Tanya, mm-hmm. at least in the States, it is what's called corruption of minors. That's illegal. If you place yes. material in front of a child where you corrupt their morals, that's a, you're going to go to prison. Yes, and and we've got those uh, the criminal code offenses listed on the page as well. And so we're going to continue to uh, pursue the RCMP. I I one of the things as well in mission, and this is why I'm wanting to really talk about the school boards and the mentality. So you've got five school board trustees who are all going along with this, like they are doubling down in their support. Uh, they are saying that they banned us because we were causing trauma to the community 
community with a capital T. And the only individuals, uh, the LGBTQ on Zoom now have their rainbow colors around the frame of their persons. And so as I was showing these books and explaining what was happening to children, you know, they're rolling their eyes and they say, I traumatized the community. And the individuals that spoke up were the uh, LGBTQ representatives. And we have it on record with Superintendent Wilson even naming them because they were questioned. I wasn't there, uh, but our team was there and they said, who exactly was traumatized so that we understand for future what language, you know, to use. And they said, well, it was LGBTQ representatives. Well, they're, they're not the ones being traumatized. It's our children. And then another woman, I believe her name is Jennifer Gibbard. She comes up and says that she works with the children in the mental health division within the district of uh, mission and said that I was providing misinformation that kids were not experiencing anxiety or depression. Well, I've done some digging and some research and I know I'm going to come across the information that I need, but I have uh, found out that in mission, they are actually having a, I won't call it a crisis, uh, but they're having elevated and severe concerns with children's uh, mental stability. And then I've also been informed that they are targeting grade four, five, and six with this uh, trans agenda, the queer, queer, queer agenda. And specifically what they're doing is they are no longer saying if you feel this way, you may be bi or trans or lesbian. They're saying that if a young girl, nine years old, had said maybe something about a classmate, oh, you look pretty today, they're focusing on that child and then telling them that they're lesbian. This is very concerning what is going on in Mission in Chilliwack and in the Kelowna School District. Kelowna is where Mr. Cardell is the school board superintendent who is doubling down in support of the Soji, of the books, of the um, individual that I spoke to you about. And and so if I could just, because I, I, I want to focus on him for a minute, what would you have to say about these school board superintendents like Mr. Cardell and Mr. Wilson in mission, whom I had an hour and a half conversation with, and I had thought that it had gone very well, but he was one of the ones in the school board meeting that's silent and allowing those kids in that uh, community to be harmed. They're, they're actually causing harm, and I am not going to hold back when legal action comes about holding them personally liable. I was going to say earlier that the criminal code is for every citizen. It won't be Superintendent Wilson or Superintendent Cardell. It'll be Mr. Wilson and Mr. Cardell under the criminal code. That's where they will end up in the court of law and, and not with any other shield of protection or the uh, uh, Education Act behind them to support this kind of criminal activity. I would simply say to any school administrator, school board, uh, the superintendent, simply this, what kind of culture do you want on your school campuses? You want one that enables and ensures an increase in safety, or do you want a low bar approach? Do you want to be able to discern as a mandated reporter and your teachers? Do you want them to be able to fulfill their basic duties as mandated reporters and to be able to think in terms of being able to spot a child that may be currently being preyed upon, being groomed? Or do you want your uh, staff and teachers 
to ignore what used to be red flags and you want them automatically to think in terms of gender so that you send them off where so you've got a kid that's being perped on who's sexually traumatized and now you're going to eventually sterilize them medically and send them off to have their breasts removed oh that's going to help the trauma now won't that so mm-hmm. where's your heart of compassion and protection you're dumbing down mandated reporters to where now they can't think analytically and critically, and they're not going to follow up with a simple question or two to ensure safety. And how do you know? And for those that say, oh, it doesn't create depression or anxiety, really, a lot of kids that are going to come right up and say they're depressed or anxious. But how about this? By putting sexualized material in front of boys in front of young men how do you not know you've suddenly piqued their interest in what you've especially with the links that are in some of this material it sends them where to x-rated films x-rated uh, websites schools yeah okay so now yep. how do you not know you have a ted bundy would ted bundy have become ted bundy according to ted bundy ah oh, you can't believe ted Bundy. oh but we can believe guys wearing women's underwear in drag. Really? Ted Bundy had nothing to gain. He was going to the electric chair. He gave one interview. That was James Dobson. He only gave one. Why did he give it to Dobson? He, through his attorney, Bundy did, contacted Dobson because Dobson was saying pornography is addictive. Bundy said this. Pornography is addictive. He took responsibility But he said if it weren't for pornography, he probably wouldn't be sitting in the electric chair by that time, just a few days after the interview. If you start to create sexual predators, how do you know? Can you tell that in the eyes of a young man that's sitting in the desk? No, you can't. You, Mr. Administrator... Mr. and Mrs. Board Member, Mr. and Mrs. Administrator, what I tell you, what my contention is this, you will see an increase in sexual assaults on your campuses. And are you going to report those? Are you going to report those properly? Because there will, there will be an increase in sexual assault. And don't you dare reframe and tell your girls that they need to be more understanding because these boys are just they're confused and they're just touching other girls breasts in the hallways don't you dare dumb down the definition of what sexual assault is right you will have by creating a sexually charged milieu in your learning environment you will guarantee an increase in sexual assaults among your student body of minors, and you will be held accountable for it. Well, I believe, John, that this is... Yeah, this is where this is going, especially in mission. When I slid the news report across the table to Superintendent Wilson, and I said, I'm sure you're aware of this because it had happened last year. And the mom had just filed, you know, charges against the school legal action. And then other articles I was reading that the boys uh, that had perpetrated this crime have had uh, other offenses within the school. Of course. And one of the things that uh, Superintendent Wilson said to me, and as I've heard from others within the school boards is that some survey was done stating that 67% of kids, I believe it was, feel safer because of the SOGI and the program. 
And I can't imagine, based on the reports no, that I'm getting from that. We'd have parents, to see that survey. We'd have to and see that survey. How they manipulated it, right? And so to me as well, I'm going to just say it to school boards and superintendents, like you see what's going on in your schools and and you cannot deny it just because you feel government pressure to comply with this. And, and it's frightening, really, really frightening to see what our kids are going through. And so a big call out to parents that are pulling their children out of the school system. Uh, we're beginning to start to hear of major declines in registrations, Schools are beginning beginning to hurt. Every child's head is a, a dollar for them. It's a bigger dollar for the ones that they gain in the food, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, big pharma industry. And to the um, understand that these LGBTQ groups, uh, I don't think people understand as well how much money they're making in in within their societies and organizations. Gay straight alliance groups. You can uh, when you hear about a gay straight alliance. Uh, get to the bottom of what organization within your society, what LGBTQ organization is behind them. Start researching them. You will find major government funding. And, uh, you know, my dream is uh, one day that there will be, I mean, we'll cut out a deficit pretty quick once we start funding, you know, all of this Marxist agenda on, on multiple different scales. And so Natanya, they're I very well organized. If somebody, if somebody mm-hmm. wants to follow the money, go to the 11th hour blog by jennifer billick she has done the best as far as following the money trail you will not believe it i i couldn't believe it i had no idea who's funding all of this the 11th hour blog very different perspective she's not a conservative but she's done the best but when it comes this is not a a liberal conservative issue this is a protection of child you know this is the child protection issue the protection of women and children All good people from all sides of the aisle should at least be able to come together and agree upon the protection issues that they're dealing with, the protection of women and children. This is not a political issue. Mm -hmm. Well, and and they keep it shouldn't divide us. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, when they are crafting an agenda and a campaign such as like what's unfolded, they use victimization. And so women and children were not the uh, subjects of victimization when they began this. It was the poor, un- un- understood uh, you know, lack of understanding and compassion for gay and lesbians, which, you know, morphed into the queer and the trans and now the pedophiles and the beast, uh, those with uh, doing bestiality, the furries. I just want to point out, you were talking about this is grooming in the system. And that the kids that are susceptible, whether autistic or low self-esteem, etc., who may have been uh, either sexually harmed, maybe a huge amount of neglect or physical harm within their family dynamics, but... I think a lot of the problem now, uh, aside from that, a lot of these kids are coming from good homes where uh, none of those issues are what are is the reason why they are moving towards uh, saying they're non-binary. It is almost like the new fad. And the reason is, I was talking to a lady today, and a mom with a 10-year-old daughter in uh, in the school system, I might have even been in the mission school system, actually, and the 10-year-old daughter was coming home, and she she didn't want to go to school. She was so upset, she was being bullied and picked on, and the reason was, 10 years old, 
is that the rest of the girls in the class were going to the Gay Straight Alliance club. And of course, they're announcing those on the PA and asking kids that are gay, straight, by you know, questioning to come to this, this club. And she didn't want to participate in the club. She just wanted to be a 10-year-old kid. And so they started turning on her, uh, on her and being very cruel. So I think a, a lot of this is because of this indoctrination, this social contagion is at the, uh, at the root of it. And then, yes, I have no doubt that now as well, these kids are being immersed in pornography. A lot of the sites you're talking about go to, I I want parents to be aware of Out in Schools, which is tied to the Queer Film Festival. We've got uh, links from that kids have access through Out in Schools that go to hard gay porn. And I mean, we're talking about the real deal right there. On, uh, you, you can't undo that when your child sees this type of thing. Their innocence is gone so quickly. And the reason I'm talking just in, in closing about that, because I know it's you know very late, we're doing a pre-record here, but the government of Canada, Corrections Canada, has just come out with a report. And the report was talking, it was specific to uh, gender diverse offenders with a history of sexual offending. And 88% convicted were prior sex, had prior sex offenses, and their main victims, children were 58%, and uh, women were 55%, and they had repeat offenders. And what are they pushing in the school but gender diversity? So basically what they're doing is they're creating very potentially future sex sexual offenders and these young boys who are in the school system who sexually abused this other nine-year-old boy is the evidence of it. And so we have an insidious, prolific problem within our schools. And I would just call on parents, just take your kids out. Don't put them in the school system. And for the rest of you, we're reaching out to pastors. We're meeting with them. We're calling on them to uh, ask their congregations to get involved with this movement that Action for Canada has. We have over 100 chapters nationwide. We've got hundreds of people we're vetting. The churches are getting involved. They're opening their doors to us and saying, have your meetings here. We won't be banned again from a rotary club or a local club run by the, the municipality. And then we're asking them to get their congregation involved with us in showing up at the school boards, in being involved in future elections. And I think that this is, um, you know, it was a very grassroots movement that's moved into a remarkable machine that's having a great impact. And so, John, in closing, two more questions. One is, how do you manage being immersed in this on a, on a, on a date? How do you self-care for yourself and with your family? I mean, this must be very difficult. I know. I. I know. I. I have big shoulders for myself. I believe God's given me an incredible shield to be, you know, doing this work. But how, how are you managing? Yeah, my poor wife. Can you imagine having to live around this, right? And then, and not only do I have a regular client load, but I deal with sex offenders. I have three, almost up to fifty guys now. So it's right. you know it's a whiplash effect, and then dealing with all the social media stuff, and then the trans stuff trying to protect kids so a lot of prayer right. exercise yeah trying to maintain my own anger righteous indignation you have to have a righteous indignation if you don't Absolutely. Then you don't know what's happening you don't know no. what was happening to kids you don't know you know satan comes to steal and destroy mm-hmm. and that's why in one of the psalms it says god is angry every day with the wicked 
It doesn't mean he's unhinged. It just means you have a lot of righteous indignation. And what do you do with that? You channel it into very strategic and productive things and you won't be deterred. That's why I'm not deterred. So right. we'll just continue to do what we do. Right. And then the other question is, is how can people support you? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I would say a tangible way if they want to, they come to uh, survivorsupport.net. I've, I'm able to give about eight hours of free counseling per week. Actually, the majority of that is out of my own pocket, but that would be very helpful. That's my blog right there, survivorsupport.us. But if you go to the okay. website, survivorsupport.net, there's actually a donation tab. And that uh, is okay. is put to use of actually providing survivors of sexual abuse with free counseling. So uh, if you think about eight hours, that's about one day per week out of my caseload that I'm actually giving to survivors. So there's right. a donation button. And if they would like to, that would be very much appreciated. And it goes to additional things, including uh, uh, helping. I just had to purchase a new computer. So that was uh, about a thousand dollars. And so yes. as far as podcasting, those things. So I appreciate okay. that. Well, yeah, praying, I would uh, praying also. Prayer is huge. We got a huge prayer team at Action for Canada. I know I wouldn't be upright and functioning without it because, as you say, you know, the enemy comes to steal and devour, but we serve a mighty living God and he is fully in control. And we're encouraging, you know, uh, Canadians, citizens around the world uh, to get back to morality, to get back to the good book. Uh, God had everything laid out for us there and we deviated that from decades ago in, in both nations and in nations around the world. And and, uh, you know, we, we need to get back to godly living. And I think we'll see more and more of this uh, turnaround. Uh, he has our best in mind. So, John, thank you so much again for being on the show. I know that this is a lot of valuable information. And, and this is, you are an asset to, uh, you know, to the movement in, in turning this around and understanding who the predator is, who our enemy is. And I know for myself, I feel much more equipped uh, moving forward and how I'm going to take some actions as well. So thank you again. And you thank you for having me on your program. Wow. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Okay, this is me live. I know I'm wearing the same clothes. I did that on purpose. <laughs> uh, but isn't that just amazing? I, I've been watching the chat as people have been putting their responses. And uh, this information is so relevant. And I'm asking you all, please, uh, we're going to be posting the link tomorrow of this Empower Hour. Please share part one and part two. I believe uh, Canadians need to uh, hear this information if you have contacts in other places of the world uh, we're all dealing with the same kind of darkness and the same type of type of evil that does not have borders or boundaries all right this is a worldwide problem so please share this information and again we're just so grateful to uh, John all right Terenzio can we bring up the post for the walk for revival I think this is a great time to uh, you know to share this this we're going to be launching this action 
Action, Action for Canada, Walk for Revival will happen from Passover to Pentecost, April 6th to May 25th. And what we're going to be doing, all of our chapter leaders are ordering that flag, which is the Christian flag. And throughout uh, this time, from April 6th to May 25th, we are asking Canadians to show up at um, critical places within your community, whether it's your local library, the school board, your uh, municipal hall. Maybe it is the pride route where in several months there's going to be pride parades. And what we're doing is we're going out as communities in teams, maybe just two people at a time, as, as God has instructed us as well, as Jesus said to the disciples, go out by twos. But we're going to pray across this nation over all of these um, uh, areas within our community. And we're going to be uh, lifting it up to the Lord. We're going to be praying repentance for allowing this to come into our nation. And we're going to be praying for God to heal our land, according to Chronicles uh, 2. So we're going to have a special post that will come out with some of those details and how you can be involved. All right. uh, For next week, we have Dr. Sherry Tenpenny coming on. For the past three years of the COVID scam, uh, it has exposed the major corruption of big pharma and uh, government. Uh, But with big pharma, it's also brought into question the integrity and effectiveness of pharmaceutical drugs. And we're not just talking about COVID uh, drugs anymore, the COVID jab. We're talking about all drugs. We're seeing that uh, the testing that pharmaceutical companies aren't held liable for the medications that they put out. And we're seeing that uh, kids now, I'm getting from uh, Ted Kuntz an updated list from Vaccine Choice Canada as to what the immunization schedule is for kids. And uh, what is it? Um, When I was a child, that was a long time ago, it was... Uh, four shots and 16 doses and currently in Canada it's 16 to 17 shots 72 doses but that is not including the 36 extra doses that are going to be mandated for or or included in childhood immunization uh, for children the COVID shots 36 more shots for children this is going to be well over 100 shots they are using our kids uh, as pin cushions for the pharmaceutical uh, companies to enrich themselves and these are it's becoming they're becoming toxic that is why autism is on the rise there's all sorts of information that's coming through and they're pushing all kinds of different vaccines flu shots for adults and so it's time to take a look at this but uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny she really started to look into this I can't remember I think it's over 40,000 hours of research that uh, where she started to question big pharma and and the medications and the immunizations etc so she's going to come and talk to us about um, how to Take care of your health in a holistic and natural way. And I think this is very timely. And I'm hoping as well there's going to be some information coming from Dr. Tenpenny on individuals who have uh, have vaccine injury and what they could do to potentially help uh, live the best healthiest lifestyle that they can so please make sure that you join us next week i think that's going to be a super show all right and then trenzio we're going to close with a couple of bible verses and and parents 
I believe we're going back to the Bible. I think it's time. I think we've strayed away from godly living, as I was saying at the end of the show. And the Bible says, this is one of the commandments, and it's the only commandment with a promise. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. And the second verse Thank you, Terenzio. It's Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is, is old, he will not depart from it. These are, these are golden nuggets, right, of wisdom. And for children, you know, yeah, they're going to go through their little rebellious stage, and they may be 25 by the time they get, by the time they mature and get through all of that. But a lot of kids need to go through that time. But if they have these nuggets of gold, of these teachings within themselves, they will be better, stronger people, and we will have a better, stronger society. So parents, consider daily about as you walk, as you talk, as you move along, get the Bible out, start reading some nuggets of gold in scripture to your children, and let's just build up Canada in the future for great success. So thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that hung in for this very long Empower Hour, and we'll see you next week. God bless you, and God bless Canada. Right.